Natalie Wood had a list of people who she didn't like. That may or may not be a rumor. And that is not. That's alleged. Um, someone told the guy that he was on it, and they didn't get along. Both on Twin Peaks. She didn't like each other. And the movie was paid for. Shit list. By people are crazy about it, and they didn't get that much money from the show, so they wanted to go ahead and make a movie to make it better. And that's why How Come is now famous, and also because Bobby Darren and Frank Sinatra sang a couple of songs. You know, Bobby Darren makes everybody's work famous. So you think I've heard Bobby Darren, let's all hear it from him. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby! Bobby. I've never heard a single Bobby Darren. So I think that what we are going to talk about today in regards to West Side Stories would be the the people, collaborators. What a bizarre just creature. I mean, Leonard, if, uh, I mean, anyone, all of them. To all be of them. But I, like, if you don't know Leonard Bernstein or know what he's about or his mannerisms or how strange mannerisms. he is, <laughs> just watch any video ever. You don't have to be There's, a musician. You don't have to be a classical musician or a musician at all to be like. What is that man doing as a conductor? You don't even have to know, like, English. You know what I mean? Like, because I've watched videos of him talking in other languages that yeah. I, I didn't know, you he know? He speaks just, every language. He speaks every language. He's I'm assuming so, poorly. Yeah, he's some sort of, like, like imagine, like, the smartest guy. He knows all this shit, but he's also, like, your, gramp- your like, alcoholic grandpa. Yeah. yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. he's also, like, kind of a buffoon, and he's, like, I don't know. It's, like, you can't, like, summarize him immediately. You know, I like, know. That you see him and you're like, oh, it's this old guy, but he like knows all this stuff. It's like, yeah, he he as a presence kind of confuses you a little bit, totally. Which I think is sort of archetypical of like a creative theater guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that thing, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess in theater, it's probably even more common. Yes, it is. Yes, but, yes. yes, yes, it is. Yes. I have encountered many people in the theater profession, right, that are both ingenious and what you may call a little unhinged big, or big stupid odd like yeah. i mean i you know i'm an artist i love my art i love to make art mm-hmm. um sometimes i have trouble getting to things on time or or stuff like that yeah, or so i would say like doing aspiring doing maybe. homework aspiring staying in school yeah i'm an artist i've made a lot of art yeah. almost more than probably some of the most at this Fair. time fair but I think what most artists would tell you is the first thing that's important is a sense of professionalism, you know, accomplishing those things that they, they say are just, oh, yeah, this is just what you have to do. We have to get through it, like school. Yeah, like the, buying, you know, like the whole capitalist, capitalist facade. Like, I get that. It's really important for people like you who just, like, really need to make a lot of money. But, you know, for people who are really distri- – you know, Van Gogh never sold a painting is part of what I'm saying. Fair, fair. But uh, w- would you think about – would you think about for a second just – uh, the the amount of uh, creativity that could be brought to his life just through a little moolah, a little of that buku dolores. Okay, I, you know, I guess I guess what you're saying is that uh, Van Gogh should have been like, you know, uh, I'm saying why not paint a Campbell's soup can? Right. See, now you're getting into some other other tricky subjects because. You're asking questions like, when you paint a Campbell's soup can, are you being um, 
cool or d- oh totally does totally, your shit totally. Suck? totally no totally could, you are cool. could it suck it depends how you paint it but i think even just the the fact that you chose to paint a campbell's soup can i mean it's like an acknowledgement of the system you are working in but you're also like hey look at me i know i know what's up system yeah i mean it's it's kind of like the same way that we're like you know like oh we're like this you know independent like uh, DIY kind of podcast yeah. thing where we're, we're making it, you know, out of our own dime. And yet, um, still like big shout out to McDonald's, McDonald's you know, McDonald's, yeah. McDonald's favorite, favorite place for hash browns. I mean, I got a sandwich right here. Oh, it looks great, Perry. I, um, we, we, we'd like to get a little, uh, a little full before we record. I like to get kind of tired and confused because yeah. of how much food mm-hmm, I've had. Mm-hmm. I like to have a chicken sandwich that is slathered in more mayo, mayo. than I could want in several meals. Yeah. I mean, you you're gonna want to stock up. Yeah, we should probably edit that out actually because McDonald's is like a they've been a big supporter of us and I mean you think well we could just say how about like I know well, I know your devil may care attitude like whatever yeah, art doesn't uh, art doesn't need to well, you know I actually am the one who's been talking money to McDonald's or and emailing with them so. Um, but right, it's, but it's I've fine. been looking at you know, some of those emails, you, and the deliberation wanna, is uh, a the, little leaves a little to be the, wanted. The character that you uh, try to play of being uh, uh, in charge of uh, things, you know, that's fun for um, the podcast. Um, what I will say is that McDonald's uh, actually not that much mayo. In a way that it's so good, it tastes like there's a lot. They but use a calori- special type of calorie mayo. wise. Yeah, it's light. Yeah. It's L-I-T-E. Light, which means you can add more. If you, Yeah. you Right. You can add more. You can have more mayo yeah. with less calories because mm-hmm. it's light. Yeah. And they don't compromise flavor like some. We don't want to mention some previous sponsors, but yeah. the mayo flavor was seriously lacking. And that's why we had to go with a bigger, more stable, incredible company like McDonald's. McDonald's, their mayo is more potent. It's uh, They've triple distilled it it's boiled down to its essence basically i mean when i went to wendy no no perry that's all right let's let's just keep it moving here Uh, you're gonna have to to mark some edit points i'm I'm marking i'm marking things the whole time guys welcome to sond time time. this is not getting off to a great start um i am alexander man uh that over there that's perry cowdery that's right um and we are have a we are people that both have voices yeah, and love th- I love that about some us. of us like to use uh, them to introduce ourselves. So, so. we're doing a West Side Story anyway. now, and um, we're doing West Side Story, which is a a musical that's all about collaboration and about working together, and just about a couple of folks who work together. Yeah, um, and it is really brought to light, Alex, some of the yeah frustrations that I have had with some of my collaborators. I mean, I don't want to name names. No, you should. Some of them that may be in this room, if I'm being completely I th- I honest. I honestly think I'm the only other person. I can't, I'm looking around. Where's the other person? I don't Hang know. Um, so I just I feel like you might just be talking about me. I'm looking at us. We have a 14-room apartment. Yeah. Uh, we record in the back. I don't see anyone. The maid is gone for the day. Yeah. It looks like it's just you. So, so I am talking about you, but... Okay. Well, so let's stay on topic. Um, we're doing West Side Story. Well, hmm. Something that is really striking to me about West Side Story... Yes. ...is the fact that 
this is the work of a bunch of people who were just like working. You know mm. what I mean? Like yeah. with Lenny, it's like he was he had a lot of shit to do at this time in his yeah. career. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the music from West Side was coming from other places. Some of it was composed what was composed was composed quickly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like which was fairly par for the course for uh, musical theater composers. I mean, um Sondheim also talks about Julie Stein, later collaborator. Yeah, yeah. He worked on Gypsy. Had just like one of these people that just has like a bunch of stuff lying around. I mean, you, you guys know these types of people. They yeah, just yeah, yeah. Write music all day. Big pros. They write music Big all pros. day. And they're, they're Big just pros. Like, they're the like, biggest names in music. And you know, it's like, but the, it makes sense that the mindset of recycling makes sense for plenty of reasons. Mm -hmm. A master recycler is not a shameful thing to be. Mm -hmm. um, the fact is that when composers are writing for a variety of things, there's going to be things that they write that they really like that maybe didn't get like a full enough use in yeah. the original thing. Yeah, so you it wanna, makes sense to bring things back up. You want to use the whole buffalo, as they say. Yeah. I think the argument against it, like for me, I when I read that, I guess, I think it was in Finishing the Hat that Sondheim, I mean, uh, that probably wasn't the original sources, probably. There's probably been so much documentation about, yeah, there has been so much documentation about like, how Bernstein uh, wrote all this stuff down and, like, when he did and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I think the argument against it would be that, you know, generally you want things to be in the same universe. You know, you want that... You, when you think about, like, the composer writing the thing or, like, a songwriter or something, you want to think about them, like, oh, I don't know, isolating themselves and, like, coming up with this whole grand thing. You don't yeah. want it to be... You don't want to think of it in the way of, like, oh, yeah, I had this shit. I liked in this one thing. It sounds pretty cool. It's like the, I the frugality use. of it is disconcerting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like we... Th that That is a huge factor of, of what I was saying with, like, when I realized how much of it was just, like, young people working yeah. and, like churning out work that really made me realize like uh i think that the way that people think of this work is a little bit separate from what it actually was you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah because people think of it as like oh it's one of like the great musicals of our time yeah um and like certainly like the writers of it didn't feel that way you know what i mean yeah um it's just like one of those things where like it's it's one of the great musicals of our time, like as decided by music critics, right? Like they chose to remember this, but <clears throat> we'll get to the you know the sort of later opinions of it. I mean, so in the next episode, I think more will be our more critical response and takeaway. But um, Sondheim, you know, famously doesn't is less less appreciative of his earlier works in which he just did the lyrics i mean yeah and the old showbiz hates him for that i just have to yeah, say yeah um i mean i was i was talking to you on fa uh, facebook chat shout out yeah. facebook shout Messenger, out facebook another side another uh, sponsor another sponsor um but i was when i was talking about facebook mark mark let's hey, get mark, lunch let's get lunch let's you know let's nosh you know yeah let's do it um <laughs> Do you know that Mark Zuckerberg had a Star Wars themed bar mitzvah? Whoa. Yeah. Same. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, same. I don't know if mine had a theme. I think mine had like a, a 30 year old guy in a in a suit who played um, the electric slide. Th that was your theme? Yeah. 30 year old. <laughs> My theme was like sad DJ. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I love the child the 13 year old child out there that has that meta a um 
you, okay, I mean, kids are theme. kids are you know. I don't think you get meta till you're like at least sixteen. Dude, kids, no, the the Zoomers. Listen, the kids these days are different than we were. That's true. They're more farther along. Like you know what I mean? We, like yeah, these kids are having Fortnite themed bar mitzvahs for sure. God damn. Like these these kids are like having like, I don't know. It's kids aren't even acting like it's appropriate anymore. You know, these kids probably got like uh, porn stars coming to their bar mitzvahs. You know. <laughs> Kids aren't even acting normal anymore. That's anyway. true. <laughs> that's a separate podcast. So yeah, that's a, that's our other podcast. That's so our we, other podcast we, where we complained about the bar mitzvahs. Actually, we may touch on that in the next episode when we talk about how this show has also grossly just been uh, a tamp not tampered, tampered. but um, perverted like, by um, high schools. Yeah, just like fucked, like yeah. what, what you, like violated violated you know there's a lot that you know within this show is just it could go down the drain easily if not handled properly if you don't have puerto rican actors i mean also just like every pretty much every aspect of the show is like you know it it has the potential to be like monstrously bad yeah it's not like you know if you do like a bad um like music man or like you know i don't know mm. what's a bad musical if you do like a bad uh weber i don't know <laughs> i was trying to go there if you if you do a bad musical that's already kind of kitschy then it's like okay you know this is this fits with how bad the writing and shit is but because this stuff was written by leonard bernstein there's something so uncanny about it when it's done so bad it's like mm. profoundly bad yeah yeah well, that's why I think we even touched on a little bit too. We give credit to Bernstein. We 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 choose to believe that because of his worldliness, his um, influence within the world of classical music, and uh, you know, traveling all the, over the world, being a representation of it, that it's okay for him to, you know, to a degree, um, take some music that is not of his own background. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's get so today we're going to talk about mainly the collaborative part. Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, you know, you start off here with the original production yeah. and kind of like how it came together. Yeah. The reason I'm so interested in this is because there's a lot about in the book Finishing the Hat, one of our primary resources. There's a lot that you can surmise about Sondheim's personality during yeah, this time. Yeah, and it's famously guarded, too. Yeah, famously guarded. Famously. So much so, we're going to touch on a few interviews in this in this uh, episode, but mm. that Arthur Lawrence interview, the oh Fear Talk... Oh, my God. It's, it's, and, and it's I was, insane. He, it like, start... He It's like you said, he is literally afraid to say anything. God, I have to be careful. <laughs> um... <laughs> And here's my thing. He's like being he's like being straight up. He's like, um, I can't. I gotta be careful. So, I, I gotta say. be so careful. I literally believe that yeah. Sondheim has made like everyone he has ever collaborated with sign an NDA. Because Elaine Stritch also on that same show is like, I shouldn't say too much. Yeah, I shouldn't there's say lawyer too much. Shit involved. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, lawyer yeah. He's shit. Got, or he's got a contract. He is such a fucking button of um a chest over his um He's got a nice chest, but he has a, a chest, chest full button. of secrets in his button that yeah. uh, I don't think we'll ever know. It's just unfortunate. Oh, my God. Until after. He's done these two, like, 
books. And he's had a biography written about him. He talked to a biographer. I mean, I really got to read that one. It's yeah. kind of incredible that we haven't. But yeah. um, he had a biographer, you know, who... Yeah. Which, by the way, um, I've, I think I realized that my ultimate life worth will be decided by if whether or not I can have a, biograph- a biography. <laughs> really? Which all you need to have is a biographer. Because you don't have to be like very famous to have a biography. Right. You just need a biographer. They could be more famous than you. <laughs> they could get famous with your story. But then they also need to have some reasoning for why they would. I mean, I know what you do now is you know yeah. s- uh, sufficient for you, and may not maybe not monetarily like uh, right circumstantial, but um. But I'm more more fulfilled than other people. Right, right, but it's just a matter of whether a professional uh, biographer would want to uh, attach themselves to. Yeah, well, we'll see, but we'll we'll see. You know, I'm, I'll hang out some perf- some uh, some circles, and and we'll try to get we'll try to get me a bio- biographer. I hope the best. I hope I hope one for you. Also, my career is still upcoming. That's true. You know, so it's true. It's true. This is just the launch. Yeah, know? can't they can't uh, write a biography about the Sondheim show and you know how I rose above that and like left other people behind in the dirt and got really rich and left other people up on the bottom of the ladder. They can't get to that because it's still happening. So right. we need to wait until wait. that's already done. That's in the works or um the original production was <laughs> uh started around 1947. Right. Okay. Oh. So <laughs> we um Sondheim's personality, right? This oh, yeah, is yeah. him and his least confident because it's his first job. We'll get into it. Okay. He is young. So we're gonna we're gonna let's get into it. Um OBC history, original Broadway cast. So we start off with the three boys. Sondheim's not part of it yet. We got Jerome Robbins, famous director at this point. He's done so much stuff. Yeah, he did he did a bunch of stuff. He I was, did a bunch of stuff. I mean, I was like looking at I forget which one it was, but one of those videos I was watching last night. The King and I. Yeah, The King and I, which, by the way, racist. A lot of racist mm. musicals this guy does. Sure. Um, but he was, um, when they told, yeah, the, uh, it's just funny. We'll get to it. It's just when they told him they wanted to do the music was like, uh, you know, Latin influenced. He was like, oh, yeah, Latin beat. Oh, sweet. yeah, fucking sick. Uh, so anyway, so he approaches them about. What was not originally a story approaches involving who? that. He approaches, sorry, uh, Robbins originally approached Bernstein and Lawrence about doing a, what Lawrence thought should be called East Side Story. Wait, so it was whose idea was it? It was originally Robbins approached Bernstein to be like, and, and Lawrence to be like, let's adapt Romeo and Juliet. Okay. And then uh, Lawrence was like, okay... Here's a conflict that exists. Lower East Side of uh, New York, um, a city I don't know much about. I don't True. know geographically. If you live in the Big Apple, you can fill in the blanks of where this Especially was. Especially if you lived at this time. Yeah. I um, know we have a lot of older listeners. Yeah. But I know. Uh, hello. Hello. You're doing well. You're doing well. <laughs> Enjoy Keep a fish. Going. <laughs> Type in. T- go. If you can get on your computer, guys. Go, on go Patreon. no go on McDonald's.com slash right. slash Sondheim Sond time. and enter enter promo code 
Song time filet. And you will get a free fish filet. All you have to do is enter that information. of a chocolate chip cookie. I love you, uh, everybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it's in the Lower East Side. There, In the 1950s, there was a conflict between Jews and Catholics. Is that true? Is that a real fact? Yes. I just, like, you don't hear about Jewish and Catholic gangs nowadays. Like, right. I'm not denying yeah. that there are still Jews and Catholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. But th- I don't see gangs. Um, well, I think you could think of it from the lens of, like, uh, Jewish immigrants um, being the other in the sense that they're Jewish, but also in the sense that they were often, like, more Polish and then Catholics being more, like, Irish. So oh. there's some, like, that's more, like, whatever nationalistic divide yeah. rather than like racial because you're all just I'm white just, but I, i'm just thinking about like how west side story would be with a jewish gang like what is like jewish yeah. tough guy talk like <laughs> hey you got some schmutz on your face uh, uh, <laughs> uh, hey kid why are you so verklempt <laughs> well there's my sugar and tony over here <laughs> that would be hanging sick, out with though. my maria i just want to say like uh I wish it had gone that yeah, way. I feel should. like I would love it a lot more <laughs> um, because it would just be like, that actually would be more authentic because yeah. Arthur Lawrence pro- pitched that idea because yeah, he's yeah. Jewish. Yeah, yeah. And like, they're all Jewish, I think. I'm pretty sure they're all Jewish. I'm Bernstein sure definitely Jewish. is. Sondheim is. I don't think Robbins is. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I could see but him being But they are that. all gay except for Ber- Bernstein. Jerome Robbins is gay, right? I think uh, I'm not positive about that, but um, I'm pretty sure Bernstein later in his in his life had some uh, homosexual dealings. He was gay. He was married his whole life. He loved his he loved wife, his wife. But I'm pretty sure, like towards the end, he started to step out a little bit. Hell yeah. Um, well, I just hope she was okay with it. If she was, as long as she was okay with it, I think that an old aging genius should get to go be like a little <laughs> bit gay around town. I think that's totally reasonable. I just hope Fair. that he was like a good communicator about it. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I wonder what kind of a husband Leonard Bernstein was. Probably like away a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, <laughs> um, but he loved his wife. That's what people he say. Loved they say he his loved his wife. wife. That's I think she was. I, say. I I, I, I want to remember what her name is. I can't remember right now. I think you know uh, it's in the book because Sondheim talks about when he wrote uh, um, some he, some song and she came and gave him a kiss. Is yeah, that who it is? She gave him a kiss for writing. Um, I should have this open. Writing something. Yeah. I want you to just start picturing these boys, though. I mean, like when I was watching that uh, Arthur Lawrence and Stephen Sondheim interview about do i hear a waltz yeah um just sit, seeing them on the couch next to each other yeah like they are so many of like the same kind of things <laughs> that like the small differences between them really stand out you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? like That's when you put true. them next to each other they're like you couldn't confuse them they're so different <laughs> but it's like just because they are like they're almost like the same height and they both are like these like dark haired deep voiced boys right <laughs> um yeah, that's what Sondheim talks about too. Is they basically we'll t- we'll get into a lot of the, the dynamics between them because I think it's fascinating actually. Like, like we talk about in the last few episodes, how how this stuff gets put together. I mean, there are so many moving parts in theater that like any choice could have come from 
anywhere and like and so much stuff gets moved around which i think is less interesting i think it's more just the dynamics between the four of them i mean yeah you i think what you need to start doing is just picture how strange all these men are yeah um because really that for for me that is a lot of like why to to look into it you know what i mean like the this early stuff the primary drama for me is not on the stage it's behind the scenes yeah because i I, I'm interested in, in Steve um, mm-hmm. and his personality and especially young Steve. What yeah. like Steve with his fucking hair slicked back, yeah. like all shiny and shit. Yeah. That's a weird Steve. Cause he's also being like all, well, actually I'm just talking about that one interview now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how like, he's like, so like on TV. Yeah. Like, um, God, <laughs> what a, a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. Let's, let's, kind of delve into the history a little bit because there'll be a point like you you'll see that i kind of like drop off um like the specific like history like chronology and go more towards like when they actually get into the production but i think the actual lead up to it is pretty interesting yeah i just Um, our protagonist is steve though yeah yeah right yeah so a little filling in the gaps though before steve became interested it was this show east side story is going to be between jews and catholics the Maria character, this is from, I'm pretty sure, Lawrence's book or um, the vast resources we have about Bernstein. Uh, the Maria character had survived the Holocaust and immigrated from Israel. That... All right. <laughs> so that's not what happened. Yeah. But uh, and I, then... I still honestly still like I'd, I would trust I would trust them to write this. Yeah. You know, I would still I would much, much more. Yeah. They would probably have more relevant things to say. Yeah. You know, musically, you could have Bernstein exploring these things. Oh my god, more. he I mean, could just take so much. Like he probably knows so much. Yeah. Like he, Jewish themes, just pepper him in. Yeah, they they should have done this. It would have been a gold mine. And it not to say that Jews mine gold. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that Leonard Bernstein would do this because he's Jewish. Yeah, but a a couple of Jews like this would write a great score. I think so. Yeah, and it would prevent high schools from being racist for years to come anyway um yeah so it was the story what another thing i think about is interesting about this original idea is that um jets were the catholics and the emeralds were the jews so the the jews still get clobbered yeah yeah so there's a line about clobbering the emeralds yeah yeah (laughs) so so this is um background and justification for any sort of hatred towards the jets True. Because it's like already they are fucking you know racist. They're always the more racist one. Yeah, yeah. They're always and <laughs> and um, I think in the one of the more recent interviews, Arthur Lawrence you know comes straight out and condemns them as villains, which is good to know. That is one yeah. thing that gives me comfort is that like he at least wrote it seeing them as like the worst ones yeah. you know what i mean do you think he wrote it or like that i i mean i think so i think so i think i mean like i think that like he is like the interviews are weird right yeah. so like that the one what is it called theater talk um that one is just like so strange like well he's old he's, he's old. Very old that's a huge part of yeah. it he's like 90 years old yeah so there's like that aspect and also like the hosts are weird to me. I could go into that for a long time, but um, oh, Michael Rydal, is... they freak me out, dude. He's, 
he's like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? He was like, you know, I actually saw a production of West Side Story last night, and I happened to uh, be sitting in front of a group of uh, Hispanics. Uh-huh. I don't know if they were Puerto Rican, but they were Hispanic. And, you know, I, I just happened to notice that. And then um, we came to America, which where they, they, which is very mean to Puerto Rico and <laughs> says very bad things about Puerto Rico. And they were laughing the hardest in the house out of anybody. It's just funny. Like, what does that anecdote mean? I, I, I don't know. He's trying to stir up shit. He's constantly trying to, like, uh, bring up drama or stuff. And Oh, my um, God. Yeah, he's like. Yeah. No, he. um. We won't get too much into this. We could do like a whole. I could do a whole episode about theater talk and the dynamics between the host. It's I need also to, like yeah, hilarious. I need to like watch more of it. That was the because only thing I've seen of that. They show. they will like get at each other sometimes. Really? Like, um, I, f- I think her name's Susan. Will will be like Michael. Oh that's a dumb question. She's fucking reckless. Yeah, yeah. She. I I like her more though. Oh, I have totally. to say, she's the producer. Um, Michael Rydell is a nice host, but he's like. He, when I picture so douche, weird. when I hit picture douchebag critic, it's honestly like his oh face. My God, what? it's like his glasses are just small yeah. enough to be noticeable. Yeah, so he famously was like the kind of driving force behind the um, like media storm about the Spider-Man musical. Oh, he, really? got, he got a lot of press for like going on and being like, "This shit sucks!" Like, this shit sucks. Can you believe this shit? That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do respect that. <laughs> that someone does need to do that sometimes. i guess that's true it's but i think it's kind of disgusting just like the power of a critic and like yeah. him like lapping it up to being oh, like yeah. oh well, this... you know those it's like a sp- it's not just critics in general it's a specific brand of like more contemporary critics because i used to yeah. have this general take that like criticism is stupid and mm-hmm. like critics are dumb like you don't need them that was like a big view of mine for a while yeah um and i'm kind of coming to realize that like a lot of the time historically critics haven't been these big dumb douchebags yeah um they're not there to like fucking own people for money they're there to like you know immortalize someone's work like a lot of a lot of art survives because of the critics you know what i mean yeah totally um yeah a lot of art is brought to, and even those like douchebag ones the ones that do like you know they they say in theater theater is like the last place that critics matter like, yeah financially yeah um so like even those people they do like it could be argued that they do go away to like yeah promoting good art and, yeah. and stuff but then it's the stuff that gets left behind that you know art is sub- subjective it's like why why can't we bring this along in a more well, I, I think also just for like the way. disgustingly corporate world of Broadway, they yeah. are just like swine because yeah. it's like it's it's so tied up with like so many people have like I mean it's like fucking Wall Street like people are like sinking money into shit left and right you know yeah, it's yeah. like people doesn't want to see their thing go under mm-hmm. yeah so Jets were the Catholics Emeralds were the Jews um, okay yeah and then originally we had Betty Comden Alf Adolf Green. Adolf Green. Adolf Green. Originally to do the lyrics, uh, but instead they chose to do Peter Pan. And we'll get to that when we talk about Sondheim's audition. But Peter I have no Pan. idea who these people are. I listened to a little Peter Pan. It sounds like a Broadway musical. Yeah, what do you think we would have uh, gotten if we had Adolf Comden and, I, or Betty Comden and Adolf Green? I don't Green know. I don't do know. Lyrics? I mean, I don't think it would have been as like challenging. True. lyrics uh anyway anyway um, so th- but this is a good yeah. point because like something i really want to say right off the bat here is that like when you're picturing this young sondheim you need to be picturing a sassy man with a lot of confidence a lot of attitude yeah this guy thinks he's the shit yeah and i mean he is 
Um, but he's he's still young. Yeah. In his 20s. And he's getting brought in as, like, a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, I, there's a little more background before he gets involved. But so Lawrence and Bernstein meet up in Hollywood. They're both doing other stuff. That's the like you were saying, like they're all like famous at this yeah. at this time. Bernstein is doing literally like a show at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, and then like later meeting with this like fucking twenty uh, five year old greasy kid yeah and, he, um, and he's got to like wrap up this whole thing at a, by a certain time yeah he's yeah. got to go be the conductor at like the israeli philharmonic yeah yeah this is a time limit to the whole show but yeah so he um this is yeah so they decide while they're in hollywood that um uh you know better conflict may be a they hear about uh what is referred to on the wikipedia article as a chicano tor- turf war while they're in hollywood and who, who uh, does uh the lawrence, lawrence and, and bernstein hear about basically like mexican gang wars yeah. in hollywood and they're like oh they're like cool cool maybe <laughs> it should be that that's more modern yeah, than like, uh, jews get... and catholics yeah let's do it because this is a, a few years later at this point from the original idea the original east side story idea with the jews and catholics that was like 1947 Whoa. so this is a few years later i think um and then so this i thought this was funny this is taken from the uh the lawrence book um, instead of Mexicans, Lawrence is like, I think I know Puerto Ricans a little better. Yeah. Because I grew up in Harlem. <laughs> and it's like, mm. it's funny because like, at least he's acknowledging that. Yeah. But well, it's he, still. He very frankly, I think everybody very frankly acknowledges like, their oh, ignorance. we don't know anything yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would talk about a lot in uh, Sondheim talks about in the book is why the the lyrics and the, the language that the Jets and the Sharks use is so ridiculous is because it's supposed to not... Uh, basically, Sondheim says any, like, slang you could have would be out of date, like, right. within, like, the time the production like, even starts from the time of writing it. So they had to create their own recent, uh, recently. <laughs> they had to create their, <laughs> create their own, and that's basically why they you have this ridiculous stuff like Frabba Jabba and, you know... All of this stuff. It's an alternate universe. Yeah, it's an alternate universe that they've created this ridiculousness. But but Lawrence thinks he knows Puerto Ricans better. So they decide it's to like, do I that. He's like, I got this. Yeah. I, could, I, could, I could get the gist of it. Yeah. And so they go about their business and we, I don't, there's a lot in the history about like why it's, it's, if you're interested in that stuff, like read the Wikipedia article, honestly, because True. the, the actual like breakdown of like why things happen in show business. So yeah. like, Oh, he was working on this project and it fell through and the yeah, producer it's, it's died. It's like so complicated. It's so boring. The and producer like, yeah, died. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like Sondheim had done this one show called Saturday night. Yeah. 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 And, um, it was his only show so far. He had been, uh, he was brought up under the wing of Oscar Hammerstein. Oscar Hammerstein taught him Stein. everything he knew in one, one afternoon. afternoon. Uh, and you'll you'll hear that a lot. It's very important. Yeah, it's um, important because he, he, he basically told them to do three things. Write a show uh-huh. from a book that you... I don't remember these. He told yeah, them to he said, he, he, said, he set him up with a bunch of assignments <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that you a bunch could of find on, online. That he calls his assignment musicals. Anyway, so enter Sondheim, right? This is like this is interesting to me. So we're gonna like a part of this podcast that I'm interested in and I feel like we'll eventually make Sondheim hate this podcast when yeah, he yeah. eventually will hear it. Mm. Uh is all the uh in depth um guesses we will be making about his personal life. Oh yeah. So we gotta know. I mean I want the 
dirtiest I of want dirt. The dirt. So here's what happens. Sondheim uh gallivanting around NYC. Yeah, well, young... so what what was he doing, right? He yep. happened to be writing musicals, but he was just Okay, young greasy kid, right? He's out on the town. He's he goes to an opening night party for a play he did not even attend. And he, he mentions that like offhand, right? Like Yeah, yeah. he mentions that in uh uh um Look I made a hat that it was like he didn't go to the show, which that's all he says. But it's like how why were at, you there? Think about like how one ends up at a party that they don't expect to or right. another party from a previous party. It's because you are in some sort of circle of yeah. like this is a night. Like we yeah, are he's part of a night. He's partying it up, yeah, I feel. I wonder what he was doing cuz here's the thing like what do you think these kind of parties are like just try to picture them in your head like what you know what's going on what what's going in 19 1940 something yeah, 19, 19, it's probably 50? like 1950 um 1954 at this point um, I think. 1953 to yeah around early 1950s. what the fuck are is he just going around and talking to people he's going to an ugo betty opening night party that maybe i'm just to. being self-conscious famous I italian playwright i don't know how to like go to parties and socialize like that but like what do you do? like you didn't even go to the show i guess what do you go around and like talk to people about what are people doing like, i don't know i guess i've seen people um that aren't associated with the show because you know i do a lot of theater yes yeah you um do. yeah so i go to these parties sometimes when i that's interesting yeah yeah um and i have noticed that sometimes people will be at these things that aren't involved with the cast. They'll be, you know, the husband of oh the yeah, lead that makes or something. Sense. So or who the, was Sondheim the husband of? I don't know. Mm. Who he was twenty five. Like how many people with this famous Italian playwright? Like was he associated that that he ended up here? Um, but he ended up at this party and runs into Arthur Lawrence, who is like. I'm hey, doing this. I know that. I know you. You're that one kid from that one thing. Yeah, it you, was like super random. You did that show that never <laughs> happened, like he Saturday was, Night. Yeah, Dance. he saw. So Saturday Night was a show that Sondheim tried to do. We might do a whole episode on it later oh, on. Oh God, but, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> so it'll, it'll be a lot to get through. Um, but Saturday Night was gonna be his first musical. He did music. Uh, no, no, he music and lyrics. He did music and lyrics, but and, it was basically like a play that. Uh, that he um Julie like Epstein. was yeah he was he was to like set scenes to music like that it wasn't like the best creative situation yeah but it didn't end up happening but Arthur Lawrence saw it in yeah. some form like during rehearsals or previews yeah, probably and he was like oh that's you and he said I don't like the music that yeah. you write <laughs> um but your lyrics are pretty good yeah. which just have to say now that you know Saturday Night is available now yeah and you can hear the music and see the lyrics yeah, i just yeah. can't believe that he would have that take like coming away from it and be like yeah the lyrics are what i want because <laughs> the lyrics are so goofy i know well i mean <laughs> it, it doesn't help that the that you know it's not working with great music it's that's a chicken or egg situation yeah um and it's complicated because it's one man anyway um yeah so it just that's just fascinating that it's just like this offhand sondheim's getting a little a little lit you could say as the kids would say i think and, so uh, and he runs into at some point <laughs> yeah so yeah the he um but basically before uh sondheim is like cool i'm i'll think about this he asks oscar like whether he want, should do it or not because he's skeptical because he doesn't want to just write the lyrics 
Um, and he's like, I mean, they, they, I, I, I imagine that they put it to him very bluntly that he's yeah. like, you know, we want Adolf Comden and yeah. sorry, Adolf Green and Betty Comden to write the lyrics, yeah. but they might have to do something else. So yeah. like, well, I, I don't know. That's all. So basically, before he can even like get the job he has to like audition for lenny first of all i i guess i wonder how that was set up like yeah. arthur talked to him and was like yeah well, i'll have you audition for lena bernstein oh. the famous uh composer yeah sondheim had like <laughs> this is like imagine you are like a like you're a seventh grade shredder right yeah you <laughs> are into like guitar a lot yeah you like classic rock right and you are going about your business, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Slash pulls up to your suburban the slash, town, yeah. the Slash from the band The Guns N' Roses, and gotcha. is like, hey, you're going to be my rhythm guitar. <laughs> but you have to audition. Oh, yeah. Like, I, you're gonna I don't know. You have to play all the fucking I'm power just trying chords. to, like, I'm just trying to, like... Did I, this happen to you as a child and you failed? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> You didn't pass your slash that's, test. Uh, no, seriously, Alex. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no, it's, it's all like, good. That's I won't, a dark part. I won't prod anymore. I mean, yeah, I. Um, well, yeah, I, I had a chance to play with Buckethead, and it did not go <sighs> well. Anyway, we um, don't have to harp on it. Okay, well, uh, sounds like you wanted to, but okay. No, I'm ready to move um, on. Cool. Okay, great. You actually um, told the story. You brought that that's up. Right. You, well, you, you, you want to? You don't want to leave the listeners wanting, and that that's like saying, "Oh, never mind." So Sondheim had seen Bernstein's work. He saw yeah. on the town, and yeah, this he was, guy he loved that show. He loved that show, and this guy is a big famous composer. I imagine. Which, like, uh, sorry, I don't know if you've looked into that show at all, but it's like I just looked it up on YouTube, and it's just like Sailor Show. Like that's all yeah. I know about it. It's just like another Sailor Show. The music I've heard, like the overture, the music yeah, yeah. is wild. That's what um, he was hype about. Sorry, go on. But that's uh, that was like the he was stoked to to see. I oh totally. I also wonder like what you so you're at the party with Arthur Lawrence. He, you're like ah oh, maybe I'll do this show. He's like okay. What you're gonna do is you're gonna go to this is Leonard Bernstein's address. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna go there and like play the piano for him in his house. Yeah, um, it's and like a towering. Steve a, does <laughs> like a incredible New York apartment, fourteen room Bernstein apartment. Yeah, can I? I just want to read this sentence as as he puts it because I yeah. feel like it's so succinct. Um, Sondheim says, I arrived at the vast Bernstein apartment with my portfolio, and was ushered by whom? Yeah. Uh, into Lenny's small, dark studio. He liked to work with as little visual distraction as possible, so choose to, chose to not only use the smallest of 14 rooms, but also the only one that looked out on an air shaft. Yeah, so... <laughs> What is a? How does a room look out on an air shaft? I don't know. I, I I'm trying to picture this this building. Essentially, it's fourteen it sounds like, rooms. Yeah, it sounds like he lives in like a big industrial. Like, what kind of air shaft is room sized? I don't know. That you have like a window. I am, is that what they mean? I don't know. How does a room look out on an air shaft? I should probably just Google air shaft. And what I'm how what apartment point. has fourteen rooms? Yeah, it's a house. I mean, it's that's a, a house. And uh, Sondheim is also writing this from the the description of being rich, so maybe yeah. he's just like, oh, just, I don't know, or the the state in which he is now rich. Um, I don't know, but it's 
yeah, it's it's ridiculous. He's like this greasy kid, you know. And again, like he's a he's cocky. Like he he knows he's got the goods, but he's also just like this kid that has like knows Oscar Hammerstein. Like that's it. That's all his credits right now. Like yeah. he had a show that didn't come to fruition, and yeah. And so he comes and plays for Lenny. Yeah, and I that we know that right. That's just like a plain fact. Yeah, but I I just I can't get over in my head thinking about like step by step yeah how long of a period of time was that like that he was in there that he had to like because he was escorted in yeah. by whom M- mrs bernstein maybe just a random person maybe yeah. like one of lenny's friends maybe lenny has like in this huge apartment he could store his friends there yeah yeah maybe he has like the team 10 house like he's got like people just like crashing on the sofa and he like... seems like he always has an entourage around yeah him, right so. <laughs> what is he like what is he like but also there's the other the other alternative is that steve goes to audition for this guy while he's like alone in his 14 yeah. room apartment like lenny is just like sitting at home the thing is like, it's either steve, <laughs> welcome like steve's coming to like pick up weed or some shit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like what up what's up steve? let's go to this back room yeah <laughs> overlooks this air shaft by the way i hate visual distraction yeah don't As distract bernstein me. said he he has he like he wants as little visual distraction as possible. Just blind him. Yeah. He... I mean, how how dark? Like, how dark are we talking? Like, can you see the piano? Like, is this... Maybe... I feel like he uses this room because he has, like, a dark corner that he can disappear into. Yeah. And you can just see, like, the glass of brandy in his hand. <laughs> yeah. And his, like, c- cigarette smoke drifting out. But you can't see his face. I think so. He, he just... It's his getaway room. He's got an aura around him. Yeah, I mean, he's it's just so wacky and and Sondheim yeah. is a person who is like I I'm I would like to have an aura around me, but he's not as experienced as Bernstein. I don't think he ever got to that that point. I mean, yeah. I, it, still, he seems he seems much more like a agree, like agreeable and like able to communicate like friend like. I don't know. Anytime Bernstein talks to anyone in like any documentary, it's like he's performing or something. Yeah. It's like he's I don't know. He's, he's very polished. He's just got he's this old. majesty, this crate, this like wacky majesty to him. I I'll like I'll say like a couple things. I, I think that Sondheim wanted to get to that point, but that point like disappeared at a certain point. Oh like, yeah, in the eighties, it's like yeah, things got super commercial and like it just like that prestigious composer vibe yeah. was not like a job listing anymore. Yeah. Also, like, we're even, like, kind of underplaying, like, how famous Bernstein is. Because he was, like, yeah. he, he filled the bubble of, like, uh, classical music's, um, like, uh, uh, the person that brought classical music to, like, the public, basically. Yeah. He filled that bubble, and, like, that will be him forever. That's true. So, like, other people have done that, whatever, Yo-Yo Ma and shit. Yeah. But, like, he is, like, that guy. So and he's, he's not, that he, famous. He, like, studied, like, he, I mean, one of, one of the things that he's known for is, like, reviving Mahler's music. And, right. he, like, he studied Mahler's shit. Uh-huh. And, like, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, he just looked at this uh, this composer and was, like, wow, like, you probably, like, identified with him a bunch. Yeah. And then, um, like, immortalized this dude's music. And I think that, like, he himself is kind of, like, knew that he was going to get immortalized yeah as like oh part yeah of like the deal you know he's like i've done all this work like now i'm gonna be like renowned which to me is like how could you not be freaking yeah. the fuck out sitting there he <laughs> well, was he just has there to drink a lot you know <laughs> who sondheim or bernstein both probably i think i'm assuming that every 
Everybody's encounter. wasted at, at everybody's at all wasted smoking. That room is probably like so dense. To this day, he probably smells like cigarettes. Yeah. No, I mean, like when I was watching Arthur Lawrence on TV, I was like, this dude could very well be drunk right now. <laughs> like, you just don't know. Like, you would think that like he has this. He's wearing a suit, right? Uh, but everybody wore a suit like every day yeah, at that yeah. point, and he has his hair slicked. But he's just like, you know, in, in a way. Uh, the theater is just a personalized hell for me. <laughs> he like literally says yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that in the, that's in the. Um... It's a type of a hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a type of a slow torture uh, for which there is no reward. He says that in the uh, anyone can whistle um, interview, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's true. I mean, and you're a creative person. You think about like the dynamics of like being a creative person in an interview as well. Yeah, like you can say anything. That's true. Like, like who's what's the interviewer gonna like? Unless they're like an arts critic or something, yeah. where they can be like, "What are you talking? Like, <laughs> this is not like within the time, t- like." technique or dynamic but like these fucking interviewers in like the 50s and 60s were like white men who are oh, like were, what's it like so to make fucking, a musical oh my god they were so far gone yeah to be so honest. you could be like, wasted probably yeah like like dude that i think the interviewer was probably wasted he's like at one point he's like yeah. so i couldn't help but notice you got a pretty <laughs> hot number for the leading lady you think that that's gonna make all the men in the crowd very happy and then they're just like uh Yes, I, I, I saw him references it in a certain way. He's like, yes, I suppose it would, or something like that. But it's <laughs> I like love this that. like old, like creepy man, like talking to like two very like very masculine gay men. Yeah, and just being like, so a pretty hot piece in this show. We all find that pretty hot. That is even weirder to me that they're both <laughs> yeah. like homosexuals. They're, they're like, they're like, yes. Oh, Songheim is like, oh, we have this one person playing it who's like, she's she's a profoundly attractive woman. <laughs> like something like that. It's ridiculous, and it's funny we're talking about these two interviews because um, the theater talk one too is if you oh, if you God, listen so through, weird like, and I'm just as bad because I can't remember the actress's name, yeah. but. The way they talk about the the woman who plays Maria is like oh that girl. They only refer to her as that girl like constantly. She's like, "Well, that girl is incredible." I mean, me, like, that makes, girl makes me so happy. It made me uncomfortable because, I like, know. just when you watch an old man's face get all soft and dewy as he's thinking about a young woman, they're saying like, "It's you know that face." It's like, that's yeah. like, oh, dude, you're like thinking something weird right yeah. now. Like, and it's like he's he's gay, but it's still but like, like you, you know you never know. I mean, like, you, I know, but it's even even it's still like gender dynamics like it's a weird. man it's, doing that to a woman is still I mean, it occurred to me that like even um because i think that about like there's a there's still like a lot of objectification even if like all the creative team like even if they're all gay they still are carrying out like as if it's like this like task that they're saddled with yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that they must adhere to like these standards of like this is how showbiz is mm-hmm. you know but it's it's like they've played the part for long enough that it's definitely just like a part of them yeah um but <laughs> Yeah, he's like, she is just wonderful. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of weird stuff in that in theater. Like, I I see in, like, casts sometimes, like, dudes that are gay, but will, like, just, like, you know, slap an actress's ass yeah. or something. Just cause, and that's, you know, that's any any orientation or gender that's going all over the place. Yeah, but true. it's still just, like, I don't know. It's it's the weird to me. not okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we need some to do not, better. <laughs> we need an HR director. Yeah, we need we need to get some people in here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the history. Oh, yeah, yeah. The so his, the history. That'll be a good segment for the. Inter- I feel like we could chunk that out and put that as the in, in portion of the interview segment. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So in the, we're in this uh, audition, right? So in my mind, maybe this is just me, but Sondheim is like wrapped and anxious, but there's evidence to prove that he wasn't later on. So anyway, Lenny is like, do you have anything more poetic after he plays all these songs? Do you think that's all he said? Like, I wonder how many songs he played. I know. And what was his reaction? Was he just like, like, just like, I'm assuming that he is laying in some like Freud style armchair, like smoking (laughs) endless cigarettes, like sweaty and like half listening to this shit. Like listening to like the lyric, the words of the lyrics. He's like, like, he's like has sheet music in his lap that he's like humming through like (laughs) at at the, at the same time as listening to this. Yeah. And like nobody applauds when Steve's done with the song. No. So Bernstein is probably just like, I wonder if he even is like, okay, play another one. Or if he just like remains silent. And then Steve's like, all right, here's another one. Yeah. You know, that thing where like someone's kind of nervously presenting themselves and then they're not getting a lot of response. So they like yeah. over explain everything. Yeah. 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 I feel like he was doing that. Yeah. And th- that's such a weird thing that people in specifically creative positions yeah. of authority have the ability to do. And like, to like make you on edge. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah fuck <laughs> I just stop myself. A, a one-on-one audition is pretty intimidating yeah yeah I, d- I don't know what the dynamics of that are like specifically a a, a composer like a lyricist auditioning for a composer yeah. like that is so bizarre to me um so yeah and sondheim is here's why i think he wasn't nervous is because he is like so assured with himself that he's like no um, yeah, so as to respond to if he has anything more poetic. Anything more poetic, he says, he's no, like, I do not no. Have, I don't have it. And uh, so it, it depends how you take it. Like, for me, he could still be a little anxious because his reasoning is like, he did, he says this in Finishing the Hat, he did have more poetic stuff in yeah. his, what he called the Prentice shows that he did for Oscar, as we were talking about before. He did all these shows that Oscar, like, told him to do, and it would, like, teach him how to write a musical um adapt these books uh anyway um and he was like he did have this stuff and he knew that leonard bernstein would like it too yeah but he was like i don't want this stuff to represent me right so was it that or was he just like i'm not proud of this yeah or see he is able to summarize his life after reflecting upon it yeah and he kind of says it like it's a it was a PR move of him to say that he didn't have anything more poetic because he was like he, I, he's very insistent that like all these decisions are about because he cared about his image. Yeah. Which makes sense because it does kind of seem like that is a huge part of him is that he like like Bernstein, he wants to be immortalized in a particular way. Yeah. And he wants to craft his own image. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't want to be. A, just a lyricist that's a huge thing hanging over his head at this point he wants to make music and right. lyrics so he's already compromising so t- to you know to compromise even farther and and put forth work that he wouldn't like didn't like would uh be too far of a compromise yeah which but, is fucking inspiring honestly yeah because if i <laughs> i don't know i'm just again i'm such a people pleaser that if i got anything like close to a high profile gig such yeah. as this I would be freaking. Well, I feel like Bernstein would do it. Like that he, 
Bernstein had that hustle ethic of like, yeah, oh yeah, like whatever, like I got that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sondheim is like the only one in the mix who has this perfectionist quality about like the work must really be good. Mm. Um, even though like not to say that any of Bernstein's shit is like bad, but he's more willing to be like, yeah, whatever, we'll throw it together, you know? Yeah. Um, and and Sondheim, I feel like, has this quality about. I don't know. He well, he wants to define his legacy like right from the beginning. Yeah. Well, one thing Arthur Lawrence says in a, that interview, I think, is interesting. Is like, I can't remember which interview it is, but it's like, when you're young, like, because you haven't failed as much, like you you take more chances or like you're more idealistic. Yeah. So that's part of probably what he's going to. But you know, through when I think about um him saying that he didn't have anything more poetic. I almost think that it might just be like, he's so tired of playing. Like I think back <laughs> to like, like uh piano forums or, or um, juries. Yeah. That's what I meant. Um, where you are, you play an instrument for people who are just like listening to you. And yeah. sometimes if you, um, if you feel like it's not going well, um, you just want to like tank it. Yeah. I have that thought, you know, like uh, if cer- certain songs, you know, They'll be like, do you have more of that song? I say no. Because mm. I'm like, I want to go home. Yeah. So <laughs> that's and I didn't actually graduate. Right. Well, you know, this is a difficult thing because sometimes yeah. you need to overcome these. But Sondheim failure. did. And he got to graduate or he got to um, make sh- uh, get famous. Well, I mean, have you written your musicals? I'm, yeah, I've written. Uh, Alex. Not the no, I don't have an an Oscar. Alex, you know, my, have you studied the greats? I studied the greats. I used to have a, a mentor, but he turned out to be libertarian, so I had to say goodbye. That's a true story. No joke. He said one too many words to me in a private lesson, and I said, "I don't. I can never come see you again." That's true. <laughs> He's still out there. He said some fucked up shit he's american libertarian like you know what i mean he's like right wing he's like a kooky guy he's not like a trump supporter but he's like as bad i know the type yeah <laughs> it's like pc pc stuff is bad dude type of guy. he hates first of all like he just like it would take hours to dissect this thing but he um He's like one of those guys who's like, oh, actually, you're being like the Nazis right now. <laughs> <laughs> while while also being like, no, racism isn't a problem because it's like basically just like evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what he said. He's like, no, like structural racism is like, that's just like social of Darwin. You know oh what I mean? Like, God. like he believes like social Darwinism and shit. And that's like. And he thinks like Antifa is like the biggest terrorists in the world. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't add up, but he also is like a big, like, you know, uh, crooked Hillary. Like he doesn't like any of the, I should have seen it from the start. I wish I could see him today and ask him if he listens to Alex Jones or watches Alex Jones. I wish I still saw him so I could just like fucking get on his ass all the time. But we just had this one debate and then, I just felt like so like I felt really dirty for having to, spoken to him about these matters. 
because you don't want to talk to a libertarian about their viewpoints. It just yeah. will go. It's a rabbit hole you don't want to get to. So that's why I can't have a mentor like Oscar. Bernstein and Oscar were, unfortunately, you know, fortunately not libertarians. They say as far Bern- as we know. They say Bernstein was pretty left. They they call them all. They all call them leftists. On the, yeah, Oscar the... was a humanist. He was like a big pussy. <laughs> they say like you know oh yeah he he really he but his thing is that the the problem isn't the ideology it's not like the ideology of america or of this system it's just that like we're all like we've all like strayed from our values that's like kind of where he was coming from mm. and that if we all just like remembered what we were really in it for like then we would fix the all the problems yeah well that's we'll get into the postmodern book too but that's what that guy talks about a lot is the 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 discernment between um societal wrongdoing like the society is wrong versus like the person is wrong yeah like oscar thought the person was wrong and west side story is the point at which musicals start to say no society like the things that we have put on ourselves the power that we impose upon each other through our various relationships and structures is really the problem as opposed to like yeah i fucked up even yeah. though i'm the king it's okay well that's i i want to make uh i want to make my own book just like postmodern guy i'm gonna write my own book about comparing um the brecht shit to like this shit oh over time because yeah. like that that um the it's non-aristotelian theater it's like uh where you know in aristotelian theater i think that's how you say it the main character is like you're watching the show and you're like oh that guy's me yeah you know what i mean like the protagonist is like a sympathetic person yeah um but this kind of theater it's it's nobody is really like the hero of the story in a big way yeah especially more as time goes on yeah with stuff like follies and and whatnot. right right there's no like big number one hero it's just like you're meant to kind of just look at it and be like, wow, what a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Like, that's kind of what West Side Story is. Just like, yeah. you know, gosh, these kids. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> Follies, too, it's not even like it's good or bad. I mean, the yeah. show says that, too. It's like these characters aren't good or bad. They're just people. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, Ben is bad because he's... Uh, ben is uh, bad because he's, he's big... A rapist. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's big capitalist, fat cat. Yeah. Big dog. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, so Lenny's like... I'll let you know if if Betty Comden Nadal Green do Peter Pan. That's or his not. closing comments. Yeah. And Sondheim is understandably deflated. He's like, Oh, I wanted you to really be hype about True, my yeah. average musical. Um and so he he says that in the book. He was a little he wanted to be invited to the party. Um and you know, so here we get a little him admitting his disappointment. But he also makes sure to say that he also didn't really want to do the show. Yeah, that's true. Like he says, I was invited to the party, but I also didn't, or I wasn't invited to the party and I was sad, but I also didn't want to go. Yeah. Um. Because he didn't want to do this. He didn't want to be like anybody's like side guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He didn't want to be like, it was originally going to be like, Lenny was going to do some of the lyrics too. So it was going to be like music by Leonard Bernstein, music uh, lyrics by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. Right, right. So he's just like, he's the second on a list of lyricists. He's the yeah. Adolph Green. So he's got, you know, mixed feelings and whatnot, but he's ultimately like, uh, you know, whatever. I'm I'm assuming he 
he is, you know, he's had a show failure before, so maybe he's like uh, in in like a as much as a twenty five year old could be like a little like used to at this point things falling through, especially it happening so recently. But record scratch, <laughs> Leonard Bernstein calls him and is like, "They're gonna do Peter Pan, bro." You got the job, and Sondheim is like, uh... Because he was pretty much like, I guess that's that portion of my life. I didn't get that yeah, job. Yeah, like, yeah. And so, and I guess, I think he said he was hyped, though. I think he felt weird. He was hyped, but he felt he weird. He had to have been... He had to have felt a little weird. Because, yeah, like you said, even what he said is a little contradictory. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point, he was also, like, had Oscar in his life still, which is really important, because Oscar, like, really at least according to Sondheim, pushed him into it. Because he yeah. was pretty much like, well, I don't know. And Oscar was like, come on, kid, take a job. What the fuck's wrong with right, you? Right, right. Like, I, I would write anything. It'll be good experience for you. He also says, like, um, you know, you can go back to composing anytime, which is true. But one thing that Sondheim said is he regrets. He has a few regrets about this show. Yeah. And he, it's true. He was labeled as a lyricist more than a composer after doing this because it's like you know still is like the most notable show people would recognize him from in my opinion dude i really think that problem is just like old people being alive yeah because yeah. like it's still it still happens yeah. people still don't like the music because his of music. old people it's because yeah. like his his music shows that got famous came out like when they were too old to yeah yeah accept any kind of new music they were like, sunday in the park they were like they're like no this isn't like this just doesn't sound like anything goes. Yeah. So. <laughs> they want a good old time. They want a good old time. And I guess Bernstein was like the very cusp of that for them. Yeah, which to me, the argument against that is like, well, t- you can't condemn all of it because go listen to Follies. Like, yeah, that's what you wanted. Like, but they're, that's... Not there to, they're not there to parse through that. You know what I mean? Like, those I who guess are turned off true. by the atonal, atonalness will always ignore the beautiful melodies. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. But Follies is, like, more within that realm, I think. Yeah. What realm? The realm of things that they would like. Broadway Dazzle. Broadway Dazzle. Broadway Camp. Broadway Dazzle. Broadway Camp. (laughs) Broadway Dazzle. Broadway Camp. Broadway. I have my mic much closer to me than you do. Mine keeps sliding down. Oh. (laughs) Which is a huge problem for me. And th- this podcast too. Yeah. Um. Okay, so it's at this point that my stuff falls off a little bit. Basically, yeah. So he has a few regrets. One thing is it labeled him a lyricist, as we said, and that the lyrics themselves were on Bernstein's basically insistence, which is this is something I wanted to talk about, like the dynamics, the power dynamics between the two of them. Yeah. Um, on Bernstein's assist insistence, it was to be made more poetic. He, yeah. <laughs> Sondheim at this time was like really gung ho about like character realism. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if he like had he... developed that ideology like to the point that he would later, but he he wanted like a newness that wasn't going to be uh, defined by like a more Oscar Hammerstein he... approach said literally to lenny in the audition yeah i don't um, i only have conversational lyrics yeah and then day one he's like make them more 
poetic. Yeah. Because um, they're doing Romeo and Juliet. So yeah. this is like a, a, a big concept is that they've decided what they're doing. And then it's just like the question is like, okay, like how are we doing this? Yeah. Um, it's Romeo and Juliet. Like what's the tone going to be? Right. Um, and I th- Lenny is a romantic guy. You know that? Yeah. You, you watch him conduct. It's like uh, he's... He's like a rock star emo composer. <laughs> He's cool. Yeah. Um, so you can understand why he was like that. But you can also understand why Steve thought the really romantic flowery stuff was like a little over the top. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, it is. Yeah. And I I almost feel that it's it's um, unjustified from in the in content dictates form, right? Yeah. So if you're looking at um Sondheim's interpretation of the book uh it's much more Lawrence has this sort of simplicity of language that Sondheim talks about that's much more conversational than it is flowery often totally like the the example Sondheim gives in the book is um the scene where they meet uh at the dance and it's like yeah it's just this kind of awkward exchange where they're just like have uh, you someone before? else? <laughs> I know you're not. Uh, we have not. Uh, yeah, and then there, so it's like this awkward, like <laughs> it's that thing where yeah, to be in that way. My hands are so cold. But, Yours too. So warm. Yours. I mean, I'm like robot reading it, but the, but but Lenny was like, uh, no, no, write lyrics like this. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is like an example of uh, a lyric that Lenny wrote for the song "I Have a Love." Yeah. Can you once, sing it, please? Once in your life, only once in your life, comes a flash of fire and light. And, light. and, and then there stands your love, the harvest of your years. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> oh. Fuck, dude. And I, read, I reread that last night. And the I, like, harvest of your gagged. years? That is not, I mean... That, first of all... Who would say that <laughs> off the cuff, you know? Like, you're the harvest of my years. What a terrible thing to say to someone you have, like... I don't even understand. Dude, yeah, what would you do if someone told you that you were the harvest of their years? I actually, like, really need to break this down. <laughs> yeah. Like, first of all, like... Just, like, the sound of those words... Yeah, the harvest ...is not poetic at all. Like, the meaning... <laughs> the meaning... Like could be taken if on surface level oh like, God, could yeah. be poetic, but like as as the like the sound of those words is terrible, especially at the end. Like there's no rhyme or anything, and it's just so like the weird. harvest of your and years. With that melody too, it's such a beautiful yeah. melody. The which, harvest. The harvest of your years, which in the in the Sonai version, it's I love him. I'm his, yeah. and everything. He- it sounds like a Beatles song, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you gotta give it that, like, pop, like, because that's what actually makes people feel, like, nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, talking like this. Yeah, this it's is, like... What the fuck? Like, yeah, this is super... It's, uh, it's like, it's overly flowery, um, and it's, yeah. And it's supposed to be these kids, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, a, a song comes on, and their why, whole manner gets different. Why would Maria be thinking about like, I don't know, the years har- later? Also, okay, let's. What I, the fuck is the harvest of okay, your years? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the harvest of your years, like this is to me implying. Okay, comes a flash of light. There stands your love. So it's talking about 
the person who is like your your soulmate, the harvest of your years, like, does that mean the years you've put in up until meeting this person? I guess that you so. have now struggled so much that you are now granted your now soulmate? You get to, now you get to have marriage. Or is it you are seeing this person and recognizing the future with them? You the harvest, harvest you are going to harvest them. years from them. Either way, it's fucked up i'm gonna harvest you yeah. like, get ready you are the harvest of my years either either the two interpretations are my years have existed like leading up to my harvesting of you yeah or like i will now harvest you for years to come and this is also this is in this scene this is maria explaining to anita why it's like she has to love this man who killed anita's um, yeah yeah boy and she's saying this bullshit like what the only listen this is how it is only one time in your life you get this moment where there's <laughs> there's a big flash of light and why are you sleeping <laughs> with the guy who killed yeah. my brother i mean no, my they brother. say they say that you know the harvest of your years will come but mm. it, lenny's a music guy you know but that's that's where the collaboration comes in. They gotta have both. I really want. We are doing memes now about yeah. uh, Leonard Bernstein being emo. Like I'm gonna Photoshop yeah. him like being emo because yeah. these really are like emo lyrics. Like it. It's like it's like he's di- overly descript. It's like you know when a metal band does like a sensitive song. Yeah. It's like that it type is. of lyric. It's like um. It's overly descriptive, uh, like, um, like, uh, un overly descriptive but like indeterminate and like confusing language yeah <laughs> it's like a gravestone <laughs> it's like a gravestone <laughs> grew some fireflies and they went down to with the, the liquid cus- sun in the shadow moon i think um what i thought of when you said when metal bands try to do sensitive songs i just thought of um but nothing else matters oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's actually what i was thinking you do yeah um yeah <laughs> it's like that basically leonard bernstein is like that era of metallica yeah uh when he tries to write lyrics and it's... also in his personality <laughs> yeah so i mean good thing that i which also leads me to think that was there a moment? Because uh, originally Bernstein was gonna do the lyrics, and then there had to be a moment where like they were like, "We gotta get someone else." Oh boy! Like <laughs> Stephen Sondheim's presence on it, because he was gonna be the second name in the lyrics too. Yeah, I think he was just there to rein in Bernstein. <laughs> like I think that Arthur Lawrence think probably so? I, kind of I for don't the know. lyrics. Well, Lawrence was like, "I saw your production, and I liked the you know the conversational lyrics." Oh okay, and. They, I obviously they didn't yeah. want. I I guess I just can't picture Sondheim reigning in Lenny. Like it seems the the process that he describes in finishing the hat seems much more like Leonard Bernstein. Like basically, you know, up until the point when they got the lyric correct, being like, no, no, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, and then being like, yes, we got it. Yeah, that's it. I, I I don't know. Also think that like um, like Leonard Bernstein has got so much to do. Yeah, and he's like he's doing so much of the music that I feel like Sondheim kind of like came in and like changed shit, like wrote you know rewrote lyrics. Like yeah. I feel like Lenny was uh, like I, he doesn't remember the lyrics after all the time. That's true. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Like, 
That's true. I don't think he I ever mean, like he hardly. Could, I don't think he could sit and like sing the lyrics along unless he was like looking at the score. I don't think he remembered the score that well. Yeah, honestly. I don't think so. <laughs> if you watch that, um, that uh, we'll post it in the show notes. Probably in, we'll just post the playlist. I think. But, yeah, um, true. Uh, the, you watch that making of the West Side Story uh, soundtrack, which is from a later recording. It's with, like the seventies opera right? singers, or basically. The 80s, maybe. I think it's the eighties. Yeah. It's old. It's Potbelly um, Bernstein. Yeah, like Potbelly. His it's later prime years. weirdness. This it's, is it's like, like post wife die, right? Uh he loved his wife. She died. That's I'm I'm wondering if it is if it if it is that that'd be uh, interesting, but um because apparently that's when he started going down the tubes. Going down the tubes. Hmm. I think, but it was before she died that he started getting into dudes. Is that true? I want to hear a book only about that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I, maybe we should cut this until we confirm that because I don't want to like... No, not that why not? A... Just, let's just start... start <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I'm not saying What's there's... so bad about being gay? No, that's not... I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> I'm just saying like... Um... The, the, the Bernstein estate might not appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know. I've... I've I sound like an asshole now. Yeah, um, you do, Perry. <laughs> Get it together. Bernstein. Uh, what I'm trying Bernstein to say is gay. I am not equating his gayness to his, like, senility. Drunken, like, being Two separate ridiculous. Things. Yeah. Um, there we can all agree. Yes. But he was ridiculous by the time of West Side Story. Uh, uh, sorry, by the time of this <laughs> yeah, West Side anyways, Story documentary. Sorry. Yeah, um, um, which is like prime weirdness, and you can, uh, yeah, you can when he when he first speaks to the cast, he says, um, "I had to go through the score for like a month." He's like, I'll, he says, "I don't remember it." <laughs> he says, "I'll have you know that I know this music very well." <laughs> I didn't used to before this oh, week. that's right, yeah. But I have done a lot of studying, and I have gotten pretty into this. And, you know, some of this is pretty jazzy stuff. <laughs> I like he, it. He never had to conduct it. Yeah. I mean, I, up until that point, I don't think. No, I mean, and... that, if you think about that, though, like, think about, like, periods of, like, any period of time, like, the the time in which, like, a band would, like, write and tour material yeah. one, one time. You know what I mean? It's like... You just do it, and then like decades pass, right? And like then he like, but that that comes back to this idea of it being like a grand work, and right. now he's coming to it as a conductor, being like reviving his own shit. Yeah, which also leads me to think about how like how much of the like this recycled material contribute to this the show again because it's like does he not remember it because it was just like he doesn't remember the recycled stuff because it was just like shoved in there. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not that convinced of that because I think the show again works well. So thematically. And I think also when you do have that like recycled material, I think a lot of it is probably just like an idea or a sketch that you then flesh out. Yeah. So he probably fleshed it out to work better as West side story. I guess we whole. have to get into like Candide and shit to really find the, the stems yeah, of everything. I don't know that that well. I think we should, we definitely have line, to come the, back to we'll, this, we'll come back to this, this whole show. At, you know, as, as we, you know, after we post this episode online, we'll get incredibly famous and wealthy Yeah, and we'll get a Patreon and we'll get thousands of subscribers and donators and we'll be living in podcast paradise. 
It's true. And we'll have, um, because my debts will be gone, I'll feel more happy during the day. Yeah. Where, and when I'm happy, I'm able to read books about Leonard sold Bernstein. some art. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll have finished my degree, whatever, like, you know, whatever yeah. it takes. Um, we hope. <sighs> you know, um, so, uh, yeah. Leonard Bernstein was a big advocate of music education. Yeah, you can find him online talking about it. <laughs> um, cut to Steve. You know who we haven't talked about yet is who? Jerry Robbins. Yeah. You know, we were talking a little about older um, creative personalities. Yeah, old showbiz. Old showbiz. So fucked up. Everybody was just like a megalomaniac, and it was that was just what you expect. So even as like a, a casual, and now hoping to be more than casual theater fan, right? Jerome Robbins is known as like yeah, this megalomaniac, ridiculous, um, insulting director, creative figure. Very mean. Yeah. He is, in the show, responsible for the choreography and directing of the original production, and as well like the, as uh, parts of the movie. Along with the the score, I would say, like, the choreography stands close as, like, um, like pretty good, like, all around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it, 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 like, holds up against criticism pretty well. Yeah. And it, um, again, people... We're talking about, right, all the moving creative parts of a theater production and how many different points of input there have to be. Um, this was this is a big charm to this show and a big part of why it was so successful is what people say about the original production is like it yeah. moved. It was moving all over the place. That's true. People, There's so much movement. I think I think. Um... Was it Bob Fosse who said it? Or I think someone, so, yeah. someone said it was like, yeah, oh yeah, everything just like just kept moving. And that and it really I mean, it is like a very cinematic type of thing, I yeah. think. Yeah. Which was the the big thing that the show itself brought to theater. And I think that um I think Jerome Robbins must have been like in part responsible for that because he seems like he's like just as just enough of a sleaze ball to be like <laughs> tight with like Hollywood and shit. And he he knows the movies guys and he wants to be as cool as them. So he's going to make it like the big pictures. And part oh. of that is having a dream ballet. Cause oh. that happens in movies. <laughs> Just like in the movies, you gotta have a dream ballet. Yeah. Well, that was a, a thing starting with Oklahoma, right? Of course. A big thing that Sondheim says was, I mean, is that theater history? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Is that with, starting with Oklahoma. Oklahoma, <laughs> dream. Uh, dream ballet in a second act. Second act. What's the second act without a dream ballet? That's what they used to say. Yeah, your show's a tank if it doesn't have. It a dream doesn't ballet. have. A, people are waiting for that. They're sleeping, waking up when the dream ballet happens. Wake so. me up when the dream when ballet, dream ballet happens. happens. That's, That's what, what I they say. Used to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if uh, the show I'm doing now is a dream ballet. No, not really. What, I guess kind of. What quality is it of them if it has no dream ballet? Uh, terrible. Exactly. It's true. And it's in Act 1. If there was if there was one thing that you could say to be a dream ballet, it would be in Act 1. So, Ludicrous. Yeah. Um, so, Jerry. Was, Jerry, you know, and it's this thing I kind of want to, you know, there's a, plenty of famous stories about him being insulting you could 
just type in Jerome Robbins. Yeah, he had a lot. He's, he has a lot of gossip for the fact that he doesn't have yeah. a lot of like screen time. Yeah, like you don't find a lot of interviews. No, him. there's probably like one I was able yeah. to find on YouTube, and it's not even like synced up with him actually video yeah. talking. It's like yeah. just audio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's kind of like a mystery figure in terms of like what I know about his input and like yeah like vision and like scope but people say a range of things about yeah him. what i the dynamic that i am like most interested in talking about it is like this idea of like genius megalomaniac right? yeah which i think is a ir- irresponsible another irresponsible totally. thing that is allowed to exist within theater and uh it's like another part of the playlist will include is a fair amount of rita moreno interviews who played yeah. as is well documented anita in the, the movie, movie. <laughs> love it and um she has a lot to say um a great quote from her is that jerome robbins could smell a victim from a mile Whoa. away <laughs> which is like oh man which kind of perfectly captures that dynamic yeah. of like you know you see something you cut it down yeah um well th- if you think about the fact that like theater is in a sense just like objectifying people you have to like at, yeah. there's some part of it that is and you could make it as ethical as you can but that still will always be an aspect of it at the end of the day you are like looking at people like objects for your your piece yeah and being like which one of you can i like use to do my vision yeah you know i I guess i just like on a on the ground level it's just best when it doesn't happen that way though i mean i think yeah i i well if if you're not like a serial killer you can kind (laughs) of like but you know i i don't doubt that jerome robbins was a serial killer we don't know that i mean like you don't know that choreographers like you have you seen black swan i can't remember the plot but here's the thing when there's a choreographer sometimes they are like inappropriate and that's just a fact because you're dealing with people's hot sexy bods and you have to be like have all kinds of opinions about how they should go that's true yeah um and there were a lot of bods in this a lot show of bods in this show a lot of a lot of bods getting tanned getting yeah that's um, true. and uh yeah it's just another thing Rita Moreno says is, uh, you know, she talks a lot about the Hispanic representation of the actors in the show, obviously. Um, and one of the things she said in one of the interviews I thought was interesting was that, um, Jerry like had this thought that like, which is no, never mind, never mind. Cut it, cut it, cut it. I want to. I'll. I'll say something about Jer- Jerry. I don't have much more on Jerry. I want to. We were there's like that clip of those people. It's on a Norwegian TV channel. We definitely will have to have a YouTube playlist because I want to reference specific videos. But that it, it's on a Norwegian TV channel. The oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking. Um, yeah. I I recognized some of it. I thought it was German. But it was Norwegian. Okay. They sound so similar. Yeah. Are you talking about the thing in the playlist that I sent you? Yeah. Yeah. But Bob Fosse comes on at the end, and 
I, I was thinking like, man, I really want to start directly quoting these people because their like literal words are like so ridiculous, especially in these like videos. Yeah. He was like, I think he, he said like Jerome Robbins is like one of the greatest geniuses. It's like the greatest genius ever of our time. Yeah. Or some shit. Like Which that. again is like, how many times are people saying like genius when they mean like asshole? Yeah, like he was, he was like a genius because he was like willing to give up all likability to get work done. Yeah. Um, also, I I just want to say that I really can't keep track of like who was an alcoholic because <laughs> I wasn't Al- Arthur Lawrence an alcoholic at some point or I don't know. I know Richard Rogers was, and that was like a problem. That's I Stephen also Sondheim always seems to have this as a collaborator is like an alcoholic, an alcoholic. I'm I'm assuming most men of this time period, yeah, maybe partly due to like Mad Men, are just like raging alcoholics. Well, they just they always talk about. I mean, even uh, Sondheim uh, talk, mentions it in the first chapter uh, about West Side Story, when he's talking about him and um, he tells a story about him and Lenny and Arthur going to pitch something to oh their producer is turning them down oh yeah yeah and then they go get drunk they they go to they're like we need to go get to a bar and they go to a bar and they won't the bar won't let them in because arthur's not wearing a tie these rapscallions i know they're so drunk arthur forgot to put on a tie he left it at the 1950s you gotta have a tie on oh my god they're like you get get the fuck out of here you swine and they're like, ah. Oh, you don't have a tie on? Well, Arthur Lawrence walks in here, thinks he can get a I table without a tie. I just see, like, the three of them walking down, like, an alley, like, after getting turned away. Yeah. I'm That's... assuming Bernstein is, like, dancing, like, only moves, like, in ballet moves. <laughs> it's just, like, convulsing down the street. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just can't picture him, like, walking yeah, anywhere without being Yeah, there's not a lot of footage of him walking. <laughs> I mean, the Israel documentary... Is you gotta watch? I gotta send that to you. It's so bizarre. Does he does he move in a particular way? It's just him. I don't know. I guess he he moves normally, but it's just him like walking around places, just like looking at things in Israel. (laughs) Oh, all right. So this is uh this, and people are like, no, no. (laughs) Does he talk? Does he talk a lot about like Judaism in that? Uh, he talks a lot about Israel and uh the. Uh, the conflict that was going on at the time. He doesn't really talk about... He talks about Mahler's relation to Judaism, and it's interesting because the pieces he chooses to play are, like, specifically could be considered more of, like, a Christian, like, Germanic kind of background. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, and the only Jewish thing they do is... Or, like, Hebrew thing they do is Hatikvah, the... That's the Jewish Israel national anthem. So, um, in in Did the concert, Bernstein composed that. No. You know he composed some stuff though. He did. He some, wrote a Kaddish. Yeah, some prayers in synagogue are by him. Mm. I forget which one, mm. but that's a fact. I looked it up one time. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. He wrote mass. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, Jerome Robbins, there's, the, you know, plenty of stories in Finishing the Hat, which you should just get your hands on. I don't, get your hands all over I, it. Go I, to public library. I'm hesitant to, like, read full sections of this out because it's 
a book. I mean, like, we yeah. can quote stuff or, like, summarize, like, what's said in there. But um, yeah. there's some good stories. Like, there, there's, uh, you know, like, when... Um, uh, when Sondheim has to present. Also, there there's several hilarious moments basically because of Bernstein's absence that Sondheim is like left to be like the music guy. Yeah. Which I also also think is hilarious because when the dynamic shrinks, like you're forced to deal with a more like one to one. Like he didn't have Arthur to protect him. Arthur Sondheim says like Arthur was his protector. Like they always got along. They always like jived. They um like always artistically kind of thought of like the same, the same choices were smart. Um, and then, yeah, he would have more contention with Jerry a lot of the time. And so the, the time that he has to present Maria to Jerry for the first time, Lenny is not there. So he's playing it and singing it to him. And which is like, not really circumstantial uh, of like what he has to say about it, but it is just funny to me that Sondheim is like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. And Jerry is like being a particular dick at this yeah. moment. I think he mentions that like, oh yeah, like it was my turn to get like beat up. By yeah, Jerry. yeah. Like, um, he's like, what's Tony doing yeah. at this time? And Sondheim says it's a good lesson that he learned from this, but it's True. also like an asshole story. So yeah, he basically says like, what is Tony doing? Like when in during Maria, like what is his action on stage? He's like wandering around, like singing it, or like what is he doing? And um, Sondheim is like, yeah, you know, he's singing about the girl he just met. And uh, yeah, Jerry's like, what is he doing on stage? And Sondheim like doesn't know, and uh, he's like, it's an internal monologue, you know, whatever. And yeah, Jerry just seems like very like disgruntled. He's like. What is he doing? Um, he and so Steve. he basically like forces him to like stage it, he, which to me is the the most contentious thing is that he's like you do this, yeah. Which it's like that's not my responsibility. Like yeah, in, in the break, that they didn't write him like a a move of he they wrote a boring song. Yeah, and he doesn't know how to say that. Like say yeah. that. Why 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 are you saying this other thing of yeah. like you finding this other specific problem? Like why do you want Stephen Sondheim to block it? He's not the choreographer. Yeah, yeah. The, if he was like more well known, or if he wasn't, you know, the whipping boy, as Sondheim says, yeah. that like the breakdown of uh, of tasks or like things like responsibilities wouldn't fall to him to be like put these characters on the stage. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty patronizing. Well, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that there was a... This production didn't look like it was going to be that much of a gold mine, right? Like, it's certainly not as great as it is now viewed today. Like, I think that there is... They had the struggle with the producers mm-hmm. of the show backing out. Right. And um, Sondheim had previously had a producer die. Right. And that's when we start... We I also wanted to introduce another big dog character that's going to oh, come back again and again is Mr. How- H.L. Harold Prince. Harold Prince. Um, Just another ridiculous Jew. <laughs> really, like, probably the most ridiculous that... Besides Bernstein, like... I, I It's going to take me a long time before I feel like I really have an idea of, like, what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I will need to read... Arthur Lawrence's book, yeah, and Hal Prince's book. 
I think. I'm sure Hal Prince has a book. I think I'm sure he has a book. I actually don't I said that without knowing for sure, but read I'm, all their books, you know? Yeah. I'm just read all their books, get all the juicy detail like as many juicy details as I can find about Sondheim. That'll be my life's quest. I think that we can get it because here's the thing. People write books, okay? Yeah. And um they just do because you might want to read it. Anybody, right. anybody who writes a book. And they want to be revered. Right. They're and remembered. Uh, remembered. Remember. That's why you uh, kill Garfield. <laughs> President Garfield. Not Garfield the cat. Don't kill Garfield the cat. That's He didn't say that. He said, I hate Mondays. He was like, man, man, Garfield. He doesn't say meow. Lasagna. No, he doesn't talk in a high-pitched voice. Lasagna. He talks in a low-pitched voice. Lasagna. I, I feel like you haven't seen the, the Garfield show. No. He, yeah, no, but he doesn't say meow. No. And he also, he thinks with a thought bubble. John. Yeah, that's kind of accurate. That's John. That's pretty much it, yeah. John. Have you ever seen Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties? No. Go see it. Sondheim do that? Yeah. He directed it. Whoa. Actually, yeah. It's, and it's also based on a short story by him. Uh, and he drew the concept of Garfield. Wow, really? He actually, saw him actually invented Garfield. One of his famous pad doodles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, wow. Saw him invented Garfield. Bet you think we didn't knew about that, Steve. <laughs> we know. We knew. We knew about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a good movie, though. So I'm glad you did it. Good job, Steve. Great job, Steven. We love Garfield, we Tale love Garfield, of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities, excuse me. Oh, it's a pun. Harold Prince Son. is a <laughs> madman, and he's like Sondheim's weird friend. Yeah. Also, like, I just am so baffled by Harold Prince because, like, he is a guy who, like, his theater is always kind of, like, has, like, a Marxist tinge to it. Like, he's always, like, anti-capitalist right. in his theater, but he's a producer and, like, it seems like this kid is just, like, great at scams somehow. And I really admire that. I love, like, a scamster who hates capitalism but is still scamming. Yeah. I think that's, like... You gotta break off your piece of the system yeah, in order to survive. Yeah, that's, like, you know, what do you But that's do? also part of the system. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's so nebulous. But, like, I especially think, like, this early Hal Prince, like, how is he getting people... He had a particular way, I think it's been talked about, but he had a particular way of just, like, getting shows funded really fast. Yeah. Like, he he would get the money together, like, really quick. And so that's why he became, like, a famous producer. He was fast boy. Yeah, and if you think about, like, what, how a producer, like, gets to be known as, like, a great producer, it's like, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that really just involves, like, going around and getting a bunch of people to agree to, like, loan money. Yeah. And like being a really good like being a slick guy. I think so. If 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 the description of a producer is basically like as the movie slash play producers describes it, yeah, then I I'm pretty sure that is correct. Yeah. That they are just literally there to like accumulate wealth. Yeah, they gather the wealth. Um, but no, but they also you know Sondheim kind of breaks it down. I actually highlighted this like, um, like. You need a producer that, okay, yeah, it's basically to do all the grubby chores, as he says. Yeah. Like, it's not someone who would make um, effect executive decisions about casting and stage management and set and costume design. 
Um, wait, never mind. I think I'm not reading this quote for <laughs> fully. Scratch it's that. Scratch it. Scratch it. I got a lot of cut moments. Cut it. Cut that out. Are you hearing this resonance on my voice? What? Yeah. yeah. Didn't we hear that the other day in there? Yeah, I don't know. It was in this room, too. It's a plate. You think so? Yeah. There's a plate? Yeah. What does that mean? Plate reverb. What does that mean? It means, it sounds like the sound of a plate crashing in the walls. Is there a plate in the wall? Mm-hmm. All the time. Every room like this? Yeah. When you hear it, you know there's a plate? When you hear it, it's all over the walls. The plates? Yeah. Okay. Always crashing. Crashing, though? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, he needed a producer that, you know, could do the grubby work. And Hal Prince was fast boy. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's also like young guy like Sondheim. I mean, the way that yeah, Sondheim's... they were buddies. They he actually asked him to do it because they were like commiserating about you know Hal Prince was like, oh, the show going on out of town, it's going shitty, and and I want another job. And uh, Sondheim was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, my show's going pretty shitty too. My producer, you know, backed out on me. It's and, like on a phone call. Yeah, they're having a phone call, friendly phone call, because they're buds. I love that, though. You know, like, they were just like, hey, how's your life these days, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, give me a call. Let's yeah. catch up. Never have phone calls anymore. Never have phone calls. Never have them. I've never gotten a phone call. I call ex- my mom. That's it. That's right. I call my mom and my dad, and um, I get plenty of calls every day from um, people informing me about my car's mm-hmm. warranty. Yeah. And I talk to them a fair amount. And then I'll get calls about uh, credit card offers. Right. Do you take them? And I do, yeah. I answer any any call. That's what a professional does because you never yeah, know you when never a gig know what's is coming. Be that fucking gold yeah, line yeah. Call. You never know. You want, let's get you on board. You know? Yeah, like, you what, never know. Have you? And so I talk to people all day. It's oftentimes, it seems like a very one sided conversation, but, right. you know, it's people informing me about. You you're, know, you're learning deal opportunities and um, getting them. surveys yeah. and uh, basically just like medical information. Sounds like a wide, and, a wide array of phone calls. Yeah, that's impressive. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people know your phone. Number. I get about. Yeah, I, I get about five to ten per day. I actually wanted to tell you specifically, Perry. That I don't have your phone number saved in my phone. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I and I don't want I don't want it. You don't okay. My phone, yeah, my phone is sick enough as it is. It's sick. And can't I, handle any more numbers. I don't know if, um, well, I don't know what like. It seems like you're visiting all kinds of websites, getting infected with malware. You think so? Probably. And what should I do? Uh, quarantine. Yeah, quarantine it. Well, these calls come from like number of or area codes I recognize. They'll and do they, that. They do they that. They talk to me about too. insurance and. I don't pick up though. You don't pick up. No, you're inviting more scams. Into your life. You oh, it's up. a virus. It's a virus, Perry. It's like when you click on the link, you know, you get malware. That's how it works. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, your phone's sick now. Congratulations. Oh. Welcome to the club. <laughs> but, well, well, you know, when how when Fast Boy Halperin's on that cell phone. That <laughs> <laughs> Last point is Stephen brought on the cell phone. How Prince on the other side saying, "How how can I help?" Yo, 
LOL. How? How's your show going? <laughs> yeah. Bad. Bad. They were having trying a show to GTFO. They hated it. Yeah. They were trying to get out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve was like, come here. <laughs> get on our ship. Yeah, get on our ship. Be fast boy for us. Swim here as fast as you can. Please swim, Hal. Hal, swim. <laughs> so Hal came and he was like, things are going to be a different around here. Paddle, but paddle. First we're going to finish our show. We're going to finish our show that we hate. And mm. then we're going to come and things are going to be different around here. We're going to clean it up. Yeah. And then so then they got their shit into gear and all of a sudden they have a show and it's basically just like already it's ready. It's, let's go. It's here. Yeah. We just need the moolah. We got to put it up. They get the money and then they put it out. Yeah. So it's there's. It's thrown together. Yeah. And there's all sorts of, you know, finishing the hat is very interesting because there's, it includes all the various, um, you know, alternate songs. And oh yeah. Songs. Well, well, that's all. That's a whole thing. Should we just go yeah, into that? I guess so. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the titles of some of these are just unfortunate. Yeah, well, uh, th- them in general is pretty unfortunate. I mean, <laughs> something that strikes me is that like they, like it was so hasty, right? Um, but the final version, it really is good that that's what it is. Because if these cut songs hadn't been cut, it would be more difficult to like revere it. Yeah, because some of these songs are bad. Yeah. Or at least, like, as Sondheim reveals them on paper, like, I could never conceive of the, like, it, there's also, like, you know, the mystique of the show, like, how could you ever think of it differently? Okay, But yeah, so, it's just, like, some of these, it's like, oh, yeah, that would be bad. The the original opening of the show, you know, of yeah. the, the menacing dancing boys. They were originally going to be at a clubhouse. A clubhouse scene, so... We, oh, and also the Jet song, you know, you know the Jet song? Yeah. It's this kind of like iconic, iconic. bit is replaced by um, a clubhouse scene. Um, and this is what Stephen, how Stephen describes it. Um, after the Jet song, he says, this was completely different from our first attempt at an opening number. The original version below was a combination of dialogue, some of which I've, I've omitted. I wonder what was the omitted lines. It yeah. was like even more ridiculous. Yeah. And song set in a clubhouse where the Jets are simply fooling around, reading comic books, playing games, doing push-ups, waiting for Rift to arrive. Um, of the talk centers on space travel, which was a major topic of conversation in 1957. <laughs> Music is constant. Um, what page is this you're reading? This, this is off of page 31. Okay. Something that is very strange about it to me well for one thing it, it like ages the jets down quite a bit in your perception of them oh yeah it makes them like these boys and also they're like, in a clubhouse comic books and they're waiting for rift to get home to arrive but like you assume that like where was he like out of work like he, he, is he like the dad yeah what does he what else does he do yeah what, what was he doing in the in the two to three days that the show covers like riff is essentially with the jets the entire time yeah or hiding from the police yeah i'm assuming this is a different riff that we're seeing yeah i don't know he's uh i don't know where has he just come from they're simply fooling around simply okay. fooling around reading comic books and again it's like playing games no it, it, <laughs> it's just, totally it's totally like what you're saying before of like a a like like a gay dude's conception of like what straight people do. It's yeah, the, the sitting around straight people clubhouse, like doing push ups, you know. Okay. 
like they are simply fooling around reading comic books playing games doing push-ups waiting for riff to arrive <laughs> it almost sounds like a sondheim lyric yeah <laughs> Where the Jets are simply fooling around, reading comic books, playing games, doing push-ups, and waiting for Riff to, to arrive. arrive. <laughs> um, and they're also and the talk centers around space travel, which was very important. I, um, <laughs> I would like to go back in time and see for myself because I just yeah. I can't imagine what 1957 was like. People were constantly talking about space. They were talking about space this much that you have to mention it stars every second song. They loved the stars. <laughs> They were gonna get to the moon. It was though they were racing to it. How? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> the opening lyric. Imagine, if you will, as uh-huh. you, the prologue happens, and instead of the iconic jet song, you have the iconic opening, the clubhouse song, which starts with "Baby John." Oh, and I I just want to say, um, apparently these mel- these lyrics were set to some melodies from the prologue so i have oh yeah i have we have theories right yeah um the as first we see him baby john asks the question he's singing this he says how long does it take to reach the moon rooney how long does it take to, to reach, reach the, the moon rooney huh? huh to reach the moon rooney i don't know i don't know five days <laughs> wait till riff gets here he'll know all about it where is Rip? <laughs> Getting, Getting sweet. And shined up. Oh, I think that's that's um. Getting slick and sh- I can't. Wait, but is it is it supposed to be the Jet song or the? No, because the Jet song is my greatest day. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I will get to that. Like, um, Fuck. but I think this. I think I. I just can't sing it. It's like part of the prologue. And it's yeah. Like, Getting sweet and shined up. Got a chiclet lined up. We all of us do. The, the Jets, Jets dress the neatest. Bump, bump. And then this is to the gym dance intro music. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, when the, the Jets, Jets fall in at the, the Tuesday dance, dance we'll be the dressing gang, gang in pants. When and the chicks dig us at the Crystal Cave, they're gonna give, gonna give like they never gave. And then wow. riff, riff surfaces. Um, but the, I, <laughs> my issue is that we've just received too much information. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, upset. <laughs> I don't know what, what is happening. Well, because it's prompted the dance is brought up because Mouthpiece asks, rightly so, where is Riff? Yeah. <laughs> and at which Diesel says, we actually do find out what Riff is doing, which is that oh, he's yeah. getting a sweet, sweet and shined up. Yeah. Uh, he's getting a shine, and um, and he's got a chiclet lined up. Because, okay. Yeah. That's... So they're like, "Where's Riff? Dance is happening. Dance. Let's um, go. Let's go. Oh, yeah. there's Riff. Okay. Uh, then, chill out, Jets. Yeah. He's like, calm the fuck down. Yeah. He does. His... Riff almost whispered, "Hey, cool, easy, easy. sweet, at, at ease, ease, Jets. 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 <laughs> at ease, Jeff." And then to which Baby John replies, Hey, Riff, how long does it take to reach the moon? I told him five, three days. Riff contests that it takes one day to reach the moon. <laughs> Kachung up. Savoom land. Just one little day to reach the, the moon. Maroon-y. Man, Kachung, Savoom. Some fucking Yiddish Savoom. words, 
Boy, my auntie, she made savoom. Savoom. <laughs> it was delicious. I don't just kachung around this place. <laughs> Crazy, daddy-o. It's spinning fast, terribly fast. It buddy sounds boys. like sound effects for like a Jewish comic book. Yeah, savoom. Savoom. <laughs> He's doidal. <laughs> Kerplunks. It's, it's, but he's talking about the moon though, and, and he's yeah, and he, he, as was common in 1950. Common, and he's it's spinning fast, terribly fast, fast. No time, man. Accelerate. The jet's all set, and the moon won't wait. Man, Jeez. I wonder what the what was the. What was why won't the moon wait? No time, man. You gotta blast off. I want to believe that if I heard it with the music, I would like get it in a way. But I feel like. Do you want to play? I, I don't think it would work as as cleanly because, like you said, no, that no, one part yeah, goes into the place. dance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but which seems good that it's not this confusing like array of different yeah songs right like can, can you just imagine this like what the fuck yeah what the fuck what the fuck that, i'm that, glad it didn't happen me this too. way oh and this so we got to trudge forward through this yeah so there's some wild shit in here um yeah so do you want to just let's just go back and forth uh in this one yeah at, at as well as, <laughs> okay um this is just from stations rocket men um, cause this is, they're going to go on. This is something that the jets do in this version of the show is that they go on imagination adventures together <laughs> and it's a big thing for them. It's like mainly what they do, which really makes them seem like less like a gang and more like just like some kids who hang children. Out. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> again I mean... that's not a gang like technically just in technical terms like isn't it implied that they're doing like a crime together like organized crime isn't that what it is yeah where's I would, the crime think... in playing pretend i don't i the 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 jets like economic strategy seems to be based purely on like street property yeah like if we own the street how do they own the street though they think they can own the street by like winning one fight i i think so I think yeah. that's how gang rules work in this universe. You beat the emeralds, all the Jews have to leave the neighborhood. It's like, it's like saying, like, no tag backs. It's like kids being like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, we own this now. Also, like, the thing with the emeralds, like, blows my mind. Like, it, yeah. these kids were responsible for, like, an entire, like, religion, <laughs> like, being, like, brought out of this neighborhood. I don't know. They're good at what they do. They're good at what they do. They work within the system. They're good bigots. I don't know. Good bigots. Oh, yeah. So Commander. Pressure. Coming up. Combustion. Coming up. Ejection. Coming up. Seatbelts. Coming up. Forceps. Coming up. Blast off. Blast off. Go. Fracka de track. Frabba jabba. Fracka de track. Fracket a track. Roger, Roger Wilco. Roger Wilco. I forgot my gravity belt. Soon we'll be on the yellow moon. Kill the thing from the black lagoon. <laughs> Back on Earth by this afternoon. Up to the moon, gonna bomb it. Up to the moon, like a comet. Burn in the stars. Up to the moon, got a mission. Nuclear fission. Blow, Blow it, it to, to Mars. Mars. Spacesuit. Cashmere. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I can't get past also that they're they're gonna bomb the moon. 
They're going to bomb the moon. I thought they wanted to go to the moon. No, they're going to bomb it. They're They're going to burn the stars. So why then were they so anxious? They were like, oh, I can't. How long does it take to reach the moon? I want to <laughs> blow they it up. Because they kill it. Yeah. They're going to burn the stars. It's incredibly like it's it feels violent to me. I don't know that we need to go through all of this. It's just like insane how much stuff is happening. It's like my my brain is broken. It's like. Oh, here's these characters. Here's Riff. They're just doing this. They do and then a, let's talk about Mars a they lot. They act out a whole mission on the moon. So they, okay, I mean, they go, so they went, they blow it up to Mars. They go straight through to Mars. And then this whole time they're popping <laughs> off with Frack at a track. Roger Wilco. Roger Wilco. These are space like, sounds. Yeah, there's like, there's like, they're like Tourette's ticks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, just like the, mo- what is, ro- what does that mean? Like, you know, like, I, I guess it's just like space radio, but like, what? Like, why do you need to say that every 10 seconds? Yeah, I They don't, don't know what it really means. And then Baby John says, look, moon maidens. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, See that, um, babe? That's a sexy one. Yeah, what is... She must weigh about half a ton. What? I don't get that, <laughs> first of all. Nothing on but a rocket gun. How, why, why, would she, why would she wear half, weigh half a ton, though? Because half a ton is 500... Wait, how much? That's 1,000 pounds, right? Yeah. So why would she weigh that much? I, I don't know. She's on uh, another planet. She has different gravitational properties. But the moon has less gravity. I, I, so she I, would weigh less. I think I would need to talk to my friends at NASA to cool. answer will this. You let, them, let me know. Okay. Let me know what, what they say, Perry. Yeah, I will. Because I'm confused about the moon. I don't know if I'll be able to tell you because you're not uh Let me know. Classified. I can just look it up on the in the library. Okay. When I go down there later. Yeah. So. There's only so much info they have. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but they see a moon babe and, um, <laughs> you know, baby John forgot his gravity belt. Anyway, we know it's, it's not a good scene up here. Yeah. They fall into a crater, I think. And then it, this is one of my favorite stage directions of all time what? right here. It's after, um, what are they doing? They're going around the moon. What's their choreography supposed to be? I don't think I ever got choreographed, but like, yeah. what, how would that be? <laughs> and then Baby John says, look out for that crater. And then literally all of them say, boom. Boom. Which is maybe the crater. And then, and then in parentheses, they, they all, all sit, sit down, down hard. hard. <laughs> but just like Steven, I mean, he's taking ownership of the choreography there. Yeah. He's like, they all sit down hard. hard. Hello, moon. Hello, moon. Wow, wow, that was the greatest. Nah, the greatest day was the day we went to the South Pole. Nah, well, we stink-bombed every store on the block with an even number. Buddy boys, they're all the greatest. And then he's ready to sing another fucking song about, um, the his greatest day. The, <laughs> what? <laughs> he's ready to talk about his greatest... Like, Riff what? is not threatening at all at this point. He seems like a charming kid who's like, life is beautiful. Yeah, he's like, hey, friends, what was your greatest My day? My greatest day was the day I was born on the day I was eight and the day I was five. Also, also the, the day, day when I first blew the horn, when, when I first stayed out late, when I first learned to drive. drive. Yesterday was great. I don't think that works. Yeah, that, that one doesn't work. Yesterday was great. Had a date. Had a ball. Day before was great. Didn't have a date at all. I like that. My great. Yeah. Um. So. He plays the horn. 
Yeah, I want to. Why hear, not I get into that it. riff? I want. It, I want him to have in that version. I hope he has like a trumpet solo. Yeah, you know, yeah. In our version, he will. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have like a really weird. Yeah. Oh, the, the, we're gonna use this song instead of the you know, opening. You know, it'll be like <laughs> it'll legally be allowed just because of how different it will yeah. be. But we'll have to call it like West Side Story with like a money symbol or something. Or like two R's in story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is gonna be great. I mean, we West already Side story. We basically have the concept already. Yeah, just from this podcast. Don't steal this. Don't steal it. It's trademarked. I think by this is me my, saying my life it. goal. Yeah, one of them at the very least. I have so many. I have so many. Well, they all talk about their greatest day. What was your greatest day? I mean, See, that's as... the thing. I can't. <laughs> First of all, I don't know the rules for choosing your greatest day because Riff says like. A bunch of days. I mean, yeah. they all do. Like he, he says. It seems like he loves. He was born, seemed, which makes sense. It seems like he loves life. He loves days. He, as from moment one, he's loved life. Yeah, but the day I was born, and the day I was eight, and the day I was five. Which, by the way, I have to say, <laughs> in this book, Stephen Sondheim like takes people down for being like the slightest bit redundant. Oh and, yeah, like, tears them apart. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, that kind of, like, listing, like, the day I was eight and the day I was five, like, I don't yeah. know how he slept with that lyric. Like, I don't he know. He doesn't even really say that it was, like, that weird. He's like, oh, yeah, like, Gary didn't want this opening. He wanted it to be dance. Yeah, after But he this, doesn't say, like, it was so weird. After this whole section, he's like, if, if finding language for the Jets is hard, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's all he says. And uh, his attempt was, um, you know, talking about space and, uh, how much they love life. And the, so, also, I think what's really interesting with these cut songs, because a couple of them are like, we, like that. Uh, these next two, I feel like we can't even read because they're just like two full of slurs. Yeah, let's just say the next one <laughs> is cut and it's called Mix. Yeah, um, and then the next one is The Turf yeah. is Ours, <laughs> which is all, like, the, like these songs, you just have to see them for yourself. And ba- basically, yeah, you can read through yourself, but basically these are the results of like collaborative push and pull, like Jerry being like, it needs to be more violent. Yeah, it or needs like, to be menacing. Yeah, it needs to be menacing. And then Sondheim goes back, changes the whole thing, like has comes up with a completely different thing that, I mean, who who, know, who knows if, it, you know, maybe it could have been great. I don't know. The Turf is Ours. The Turf is Ours is, is a wild song. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just them being like, where's our turf? It's there and over there. And the Turf is Ours. There's just like a certain amount. Very of, there's like a certain amount of ways that like a person can like creatively say in like a very clever rhyme like, uh, like those stinky Puerto Ricans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, like, just because you can. Yeah. Why? Doesn't mean that you should. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I just I do feel like he's it's still like white guys like putting this shit out into the world. Yeah. Even if it's meant to be like, look at this display of like, aren't you so sickened by this? But like, more than likely, it's just like. They were like, ah, I came out with like a great rhyme. You yeah, know what I mean, like. Yeah, and I got to dig on some Puerto Ricans. I guess so. Like, <laughs> I might not even be like a affi- politically affiliated. Like, I, I think that it's just like, especially for like a, a lyricist. Like, they're he's such like a he's a. You find rhymes, and you're like, I got this rhyme. Yeah, you know, that's and you true. Gotta use it. Um, <laughs> you know, every Puerto Rican's a lousy chicken. Which I guess is not it. like a, as ra- racially tinged as like some of the other stuff. No, could the, be. Lot, the the numbers that were kept are less racist. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. say I I think that there's more like racism in 
the well, script the, than in the songs. The mix, the start of one of the verses starts with the S yeah. word. So, like, there you go. But it, it also, like, says, like, pretty much just, like, I don't know, like, just, like, be vi- like be really violent. Like, yeah. Just, like, make a mess of them. Yeah. Take um, a crack. <laughs> there will uh, be less of them. It sounds like, I mean, again, they, they do kind of use this, like, weird fucking, like, genocidal speech yeah. in the script, too. It's like, destroy. Yeah. Like, what they say a lot of things, like, once and for all. Yeah. They're like, they're going to find a final solution to the Puerto Rican question, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're yeah. Nazis. This is our version. Co- oh, my God. It could have been so much better. Yeah. Because they could have just used, like, fucking, like, skinheads. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Were skinheads around like that back then? There was some form of Nazis. At I mean, all. the KKK definitely hated Jews. And also, the American Nazi Party was a thing. Yeah, fair. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Could have just been like a German, like a a Nazi. All right, I want to see West Side Story cross with Schindler's List. It's in. Oh God, it's in. (laughs) It's in a concentration. No, I mean like. Can you imagine? (laughs) It could be like a a a Nazi. Like Maria is like French or something, and Tony is like a Nazi. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you want to make them gangs, it's a different thing than like putting it in World War Two. But well, <laughs> the Nazis. I mean, just imagine Nazis doing the dance. I think it would still be just as compelling. Yeah. Um, I would watch that. Yeah. To be fair, if they mm-hmm. were all Nazis, I mean, as long as I was comfortable knowing that it was made by Jews and not by Nazis. Yeah, I would watch Nazis do the prologue. Yeah, that's dance, why 100%. I like the producers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's a great it's a great time. Yeah, because um, the I love to learn about the Nazis because they're so flamboyant. Right. You know. Yeah, terrible flamboyant people. And just fun. <laughs> <laughs> Were um, you not g- 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 telling me uh, that I was equated with Hitler the other episode? Yeah, you. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Just yeah. like you're a lot like him. <laughs> <laughs>